You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Curtain up theater people. Welcome to the new podcast version of the Your Program Is Your Ticket show. My name is Sean Chandler and I will be your host. Your Program Is Your Ticket is a discussion of all levels of theater and works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. Now, a change from the podcast is that I have a new co-host. He's also my co-producer, he's engineering the show, and of most paramount importance... He has me say that. He is my husband, David Leeper. Hi, David. I, I do not ask him to say that, but um, <laughs> but it's very nice of you to include that in the intro. I feel like Cher, like we're doing the Sonny and Cher show, like he's the serious one, and I'm the one who's going to make fun of him the whole damn time. Which makes me Sonny. Yeah. So I've... Yeah, short, cute so little Sonny. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Dad, I crashed into a tree already. All right. Anyways. That's, ter- that's, Back to terrible. Your that's, that's terrible. I know. Okay. You, you knew he was going to haul his share of pressure now. Enough though. bad shares. Start the show. Oh, okay. Most definitely. I'm sure our guests will thank us for that. Speaking of our guests, uh, today's show features director Antonio Menino, writer David Stallings, and Amanda Jones, who is an actor, and they are all here to talk about their new show, the Baby Monitor, playing at the theater at the 14th Street Y. I got it right, right? Yay! From November 29th to December 16th. So let's bring them on to tell us all about that. Folks, please welcome to the show Antonio Nino, David Stallings, and Amanda Jones. Hi, gang, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Thank you. Hi. Hi. It's so good. <laughs> You're on the second podcast of this show. Yes. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and I just love Antonio because Antonio has been so helpful and such a great, great cheerleader for the Your Program Is Your Ticket podcast, which, by the way, is still going to be a thing. We're just taking the audio from this show and we're making that the podcast. How convenient is that? I love that. I love when technology works for me because that's not usually the case. Um, let's start by having you tell us a little bit more about the baby monitor. Maybe, David, you should answer that question since you're the playwright, correct? Sure. Um, great. Uh, the Baby Monitor is a play I wrote um, about a gay couple who is raising a child that they had through surrogacy. And it starts off at a Thanksgiving meal where they've invited um, one of their cousins and her husband to share Thanksgiving with them. Um, 
an evening of just very many microaggressions happens. And um, one of, uh, and the cousin in question, Claire, um, sees something that she's not sure about. And she pulls a thread. And pulling that thread um, for a time tears this family apart. And so that's what the play's about. I love that teaser. <laughs> like two teasers, right? She sees something that she's unsure about and she pulls a thread. Yeah. Are, are we allowed to know any of that? Or, or we're just going to have to go see the play, right? To figure out what that is. I don't know. Do you think we should talk about it? Um, I mean, I can say how I've been explaining it, if that... So what I've been telling people is that she's a little overly invested in the relationship between the child and the parents, and that has consequences. Oh, okay. okay. And this goes down to Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Always a, a hotbed for microaggressions with families. Jeez. Wow. Um, and David, what was? Tell us about that moment when you said to yourself. This could be a great play. Like there, every writer has that little moment where that's like the the nucleus of the idea, and then they go with it. Well, um, that moment came several years ago, uh, maybe five or six years ago. Um, Antonio is my husband, and he came to me and said, oh, "I just saw this documentary on uh, or or this special on CNN." about a gay man who had his children taken from him by social services um, based on a complaint from a family member um, that ended up being just embedded in bigotry or prejudice um, that they didn't know was there in that family member. And um, I said, I am not going to watch that. That's going to upset me. And I didn't. And then two years later, um, a gentleman by the name of Tom Tom Slott with Original Bindings Productions asked me to write a 10-minute play um, for an evening of one acts uh, with the theme of naked. And um, I decided to write about my worst fear if Antonio and I were to have a child. And um, I put our relationship on stage and um, put my worst fear on stage. And it went off rather well, and I was pleased with it. It was produced again by Planet Connections Theater Festivity in their Playwrights for a Cause uh, special event, um, and we were really pleased with that, and so I developed it into a full length. And it's been workshopped at a couple of wonderful theaters across the country, and it's ready for its first time without scripts in hand on a stage. Wow. How are you feeling about that? Um, well, it's interesting, because this is also the first time I'm acting in it, and um, Antonio uh, put me on the stage. I've seen it done by many actors, so I feel okay with it. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's, you're living your nightmare, you know, if, if you were to have a family as a gay man, your, your worst possible fear, that was mine. So okay. that's what we're doing. It's, it's fun. So, <laughs> so, so you don't, because you're acting in the play, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have the opportunity to get super nervous about what people are thinking in the audience as the writer of the play, because you have a different set of priorities that are immediate. I, I like to think I'm in the moment with Miss Amanda Jones. Um, I, it's true. You, you're just in that moment. It's, it's actually my fears and my nerves are a lot more calm. And I'm not sure it's, if it's because I trust my collaborators so much or just because you, you don't get to be nervous on stage. You have to let that tension go. Wow. I, uh, 
I don't know how actors do it. I mean, my David is... See, Antonio, I have a David, too. See, so many Davids. See, see, multitude of Davids. has a David as well. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how actors do it. I really, really don't. Um, there's so much to, to remember and think about, and, and it all has to feel and look natural at the same time. There's, like, so much alchemy going on. I've taken two acting classes in my life, and... Those were so that I could have empathy as a writer for what's going on on stage. Wow, it really opens up my eyes. Um, so, speaking of acting, Amanda Jones. Yes. First of all, I love your name. Thank you. And, and, and I love it because it's also the name of a character in an 80s movie. Some kind of wonderful. Oh, yes. sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> and a song, too. Yeah, right? the Rolling Stone song, yes. You know, um, I am... Allegedly named after my great grandmother, but my uncle was a DJ when I was born, still is actually. And my parents called him up from the hospital and they played the song on the radios. And my mom is a huge Rolling Stones fan, so maybe it's a little column A, a little column B. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Some Kind of Wonderful is a movie that came out in the 80s with Eric Stoltz, Mary Stuart Masterson, and then. Uh, Leah Thompson played the Amanda Jones character. It's a, mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a cute movie, but mm-hmm. that's it's a John Hughes movie. It, it's not one of his like better known ones, but it's a John Hughes movie. It's, uh, I'm waiting. I, I know, and that's and that's so great. I'm waiting for the day when I don't go oh when I hear about a John Hughes movie because yeah. he's just such a wonderful director. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay. Um, tell us uh, how you went about creating your character in the play. I have a feeling your character is has a little is is a source of conflict in the play. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's that is accurate. Um. So this is just by way of preface. Um. I generally and most of my career played period characters either real or fictional so um, a lot of my work as an actor in the past is involved research the last play I did with David Antonio was Anais Nin Goes to Hell and I played Anais Nin and I wrote like I loved like a giant biography of her and some of her work and so that was in addition to like the the work I did personally there was also a lot of research whereas this character is not so different from me in a lot of interesting ways. Um, she's from the Boston area. I am also from the Boston area. She's a speech pathologist. I studied to be a speech pathologist. Uh, so there's a lot of overlap. And um, a lot of the work on this one has been intensely personal. Um, I grew up with uh, a lot of folks like Claire, folks who were like, in many ways, like generous and kind and well-meaning, um, but every now and again they'd say something that would just be like, "Oh my God, I had no idea that was in there too," you know. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's been a lot of like going over my own past and like remembering my own feelings about being challenged, I guess, um, with my own prejudices and my own um, uh, privilege as I grew up and moved out of my 
town in suburban Massachusetts into New York and how much that changed me and how much not leaving didn't change her possibly. Wow. So it sounds like she's she has a, a major character arc throughout the show. Yes. Yes, that is accurate as well. Well, what a, what a great role to play, though. Oh, it is. It is. I feel very lucky. Um, it's It's been an immense challenge and, and kind of painful in some ways. Like, uh, I've told this to other people. Um, I'll be working on stage. This happened more in the beginning, but I would say things and I would see people who are not in the scene with me going... Oh, you know, wow. <laughs> well, look at me. I was like, it's just acting. It's acting. You're reacting to your acting. It's not you. Well, evidently, it's really good acting. <laughs> the cast who's watched you, watched you do it is like, you know, recoiling and cringing. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, it, it sounds like um, you really had to reach deep to give yourself permission maybe to do some of these things and... And, and, and behave in the way that you need to to behave and, and maybe not necessarily judge the character so that you could play her yes. you know effectively and on and, and truthfully. Yeah. Oh I, I had to find empathy for her and honestly, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't hard because she and I are not that different in some ways. Hopefully very different in others. But you know that's one of the things I've had to confront, you know, working on the character is like there are probably times when I have stuff has come out of my mouth and I didn't even know, you know? I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of work that you have to do as a, a cis, het, white person in this world these days, confronting all the ways in which you're, you're protected and other people aren't, you know? Right. And not everybody is self-aware like that or, or, or all the time are self-aware like that. Right. So. <laughs> Even as we go through a wave where we're trying to make people far more aware of, of uh, the infringed in society, mm-hmm. um, we still, even those of us who, who are, um, you know, who are white, we still have to continue to address that over and over and over again because there are lots of little nuances of behavior that we have to change that maybe we're not aware of. And I'm not making excuses. I'm not, not at all. Um, it's just it's just something that we really need to work on. Oh, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I should say I, I, I always try to work on all the time and being inclusive mm-hmm. uh, um, with everyone and not having those... those um, nuanced prejudices, if you will. I don't know if that's a good term for it, but that's that's what's coming to mind. Um, Antonio. Mm. Okay, and I'm going to make a comment on your name because I think it is so adorable that your last name is Menino. Mm-hmm, like my and, boy. And yeah. you're directing a play. It's called The Baby Monitor. I know. That is, that is so, that's, that's precious. I thought of that. <laughs> I thought of that immediately. Um, tell us about your directorial vision for the piece. How does it? How did it? How did you vision it playing out on stage? Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting question because there's always, you know, as indie theater artists, first comes the Broadway conceptualization, sure, and then you go, "That's great." Once I can afford that, and then you start thinking, "How can I deconstruct that idea and service the play in a in a." good way. Now for me I'm always very much about the play first and about the writing and I'm 
big fan of table work and we're very lucky to have four days to just sit with the play which is very hard to schedule when you're doing uh, an indie production because your rehearsal schedule is so short um, but one of the things that I wanted to definitely do was to make sure that um, Caleb who is the child who is not in the play so we don't physically meet Caleb was ever present and so one of the things that we spoke about um, was for the world to be a playroom. So we're in a playroom, and whenever we're actually at Josh and Claire's home, they're hovering over it the whole time. So it's, it's almost like it's Caleb's memory of the things that happened to him or that might be happening to him. Um, I'm a very big fan of controlled magical realism or controlled whimsy as I like to call it so it's not that it's it's not that we're too out there it's the it's still very realistic but there are certain moments of magic in which we celebrate Caleb more than anything um, and to make sure that we understand the complexities of all these characters uh, something that we spoke about early on was a lot of times, when it comes to prejudice and bigotry and racism, we want to make it very binary as human beings and we can, we easily put on a label onto someone which kind of takes away the conversation and to actually talk about the microaggressions. And Claire especially, even in rehearsal, I'm always going, I'm team Claire in this scene or I'm team Damon. And it's because coming from being an immigrant Coming from a conservative family, understanding the biases that I myself had, that I, that through the play even I'm learning about. Um, we were talking yesterday at a at a different interview when I about when I moved here ten plus years ago. I remember thinking, especially with the push for gay marriage, my first thought was, well, you know, if. In the DR, we had what you guys had. We'd be, like, happy already. I don't know that we would be pushing this hard for gay marriage. And then, obviously, that changed. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. um, but it's, it's kind of like opening the universal scope of what prejudice is, what tolerance is, who, who needs acceptance, not just tolerance, who would be okay with just tolerance. Um, so I have the understanding of how we are in different places and understanding what that acceptance is. And that was very important for me to highlight in this play and through these characters. That's terrific. It, it feels like from talking to you that there, there was a lot of discussion going on within your team. Um, and I think that... Did, did you have to sort of like... Um, segment that or compartmentalize that and say, okay, now is the time for blocking and getting through the show. We can talk about it afterwards if you have any feelings or thoughts uh, that you need to express. For now, we have to be... Focused. We have yeah. to focus and get um, mechanical. I don't think that happened. You know, and part, again, why I'm such uh, a cheerleader for table work is because we have four days of going through the script and really talking about it. Once you're at the part of rehearsal where you're getting on your feet, mm -hmm. um, the characters already start to 
morph and be realized because you've already had the discussions. And I feel I've been in rehearsal process as an actor where a lot of the a lot of the kind of like stopping and going happens because we haven't dedicated time to talk about these characters. Now that doesn't mean that we don't continue to to discover things. It's not like in four days you're gonna get through everything. But it does give you a freedom, it gives you a really good foundation. So I don't think that we ever had a moment of, you know, don't ask me about your character, go do your homework. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, every every yeah. director is different. No, definitely. They all have totally. different ways of yeah. working. And, um, you know, I, I would assume all three of you are actors at the table and have worked with directors. And you mm. know that, you know, some directors are like, just get up there and do it and figure out your character and bring it. And some directors like to do a lot of table yeah. work. That's why I always like to ask someone who who is directing a piece about their approach. And and I would imagine that that also um, um, translates into like every every piece or every piece that you direct might have to have a different approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you uh, I would, think well, about? And, yeah, and also as a director, I feel like one evolves. I don't think I, I was the same person when I when I directed on Nice Nan than I am today, uh, and part of part of directing is putting yourself in the work and evolving with it. And I mean, I'm very much into language plays, which have kind of the same, you know, this format works very well for them. Uh, but if you're doing a devised work, you're not going to sit around for four, you know, days talking. You're going to move and see how you come up with something. But this plays very close and on, well, it's the same writer. <laughs> and he's very much into language. Uh, but what's been really wonderful um, is that it's a true workshop in the sense that we get rewrites every other day, maybe, not every other day, every other week. Uh, we switched around the scene. Uh, the order of scenes were switched around last week. We moved where the end of the act is two days ago. We did a trial with an intermission. Was that yesterday? I can't tell anymore. Um, we did a trial. Yesterday, the day before. The day before. We did a trial with an intermission to see how that would uh, work emotionally in the arc of the story and energy-wise. And then we decided, no, we're going to stick with no intermission. So it's a true, it's been a true wonderful workshop and it's the first time that I've worked with David with him as an actor and something I'm directing so I've directed his scripts before with him in the room as a writer so we have our little um, playwright David (laughs) (laughs) actor David so that's how we kind of give notes to each other so it's worked out so far yeah yeah not one fight yeah no, really, still intact. Not, not one. We're fight. still intact. Really, not one. No, not one. I'm, I'm impressed. Not in front of us, anyway. I'm very yeah. impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, David and I do pretty much everything together. We wrote a play together. We we work together in a business. So I mean, we were always together, and we we love each other, and it's it's all it's all good. Um, but it, sometimes. You know, sometimes it takes a little more communication. It's not like you go to work and then you come home mm-hmm. and you know you, you bitch about your boss or whatever. And then um, um, I can't do that because my boss is David is my <laughs> boss. So, so well, and as an actor, when it's like he was directing me and something, it's much easier for me as an actor to be like, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think so. That's a lovely idea, but no. So it's too yeah. easy to you know to override. As opposed to director gives you something, you go, okay, I will make this work because mm. this is what the director wants it was a little too like no nah. <laughs> yeah and you know it just usually boils down to this 
I just do whatever David tells me to do, and everything's <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then, and then you know, then 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 we're then we're good to go. Um, I'd like for you each to answer what you hope mm. your audiences take away from the baby monitor. Um, I hope the audience sees this play and feels terrible loss over the relationship that's ruined because there's a relationship between these two cousins that is lovely and it's from love and they love each other and at the end of the play it's it's ruined and I, I hope that they feel encouragement to be a little more forgiving in the future with the people you interact with on a daily basis okay it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um. I hope that they take away that um, we might all still have work to do on ourselves. And we shouldn't be too self-satisfied about our wokeness. I hate to use that word, but, you know. Um, like we're not done. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and just even just like having the right ideas in your head. Not enough, you know. Um, but yeah, but from the play, definitely like that. That that you shouldn't be too self satisfied about about having figured it out because maybe you haven't completely, or maybe you haven't examined your own ideas quite as much as you think you have. Um, and that empathy is so important, <laughs> you know. Even for people you think can't be saved, you know. Wow, excellent. <laughs> they have pain of their own, you know. That's important to remember. Indeed. Mm-hmm. What they said. <laughs> uh, there's, I think one of the things that I really want audiences to take away is that it's not just about reaching across the aisle, but our aisle needs a lot of work. Um, uh, progressives need a lot of work. We can't just, you know, point the finger at the other side because there's a lot that we still need to do. Mm-hmm. And... Um, to every day realize your privilege and use it for good. And, you know, a lot of times privilege is connected to cis-hetero and and Caucasian, but that's not true. There's privilege in every oppressed community. Um, The play deals with that as well. There are um, two Latinx characters, and there's colorism and classism between them. So just to have those conversations and to know that... Uh, we're all at fault. Some are more at fault than others. <laughs> but to understand that um, these microaggressions don't... The fear of not talking about these microaggressions is to be labeled the big names, to be labeled homophobic or racist or, uh, or, or a bigot and all these things because we put the label on it and then we don't talk about it and that's why we don't grow. So just to be brave, and be able to say to someone, hey, is this offensive? I want to talk about it with you. Gotcha. Well, it, we're, we're 
redefining and reestablishing the continuum. And I, I think that uh, shows like yours that highlight that and say, look at everything. You know, just if you think you're perfect in this, you're really not. Um, are 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 wonderful. Um, that's it's it's taking off the blinders of a lot of different people, and and I'm glad to hear you talk about it today. And I thank you very very much for being here on the second podcast episode of your program is your ticket. Um, I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Uh, I wish you major broken legs on it, and I just I just know it's going to be great. And I love that theater too. God, it's a beautiful theater. Isn't it? Oh my gosh, it's great. He runs at that one over there. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just gonna let you say that, not me. Um, yeah, it's it's so cool. It's a theater that's in a YMCA, and you wouldn't think it, but it there it is, and it's big and it's beautiful. I've seen mm-hmm. a couple of shows there, and I just I think it's awesome. We're actually at JCCY, and uh, I love them. <laughs> I love the people who run the Y there. Very cool. JCCY, what does that stand for? Uh, it's a Jewish community center. Oh, okay. So as opposed to being a YMCA, it's a, it's a JCC. Oh, so it's not a YMCA? No. Oh, all this time. See, I learned something new. So it's at the JCCY. Yes. Okay. So there we go. I stand corrected. And I've been there three times. Um, thank you again, Antonio, David, and Amanda Jones. For, for being, I know, for being on the show. Um, you were all terrific. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it was my pleasure. And just so you know, I think I may have said this in earlier on, uh, we're going to put up a, a slide with all of the information on the baby monitor and anything else that they would like to um, um, have you know about so that you can pause it on your device and then you could go and buy tickets. Buy tickets, buy tickets, yes. yes. Buy tickets yes. And, and go and, and say nice things and send other people as well. <laughs> well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Um, you can find more episodes of your program as your ticket on YouTube, and um, we're working on getting it on Instagram, which I'm having my niece take care of because she's 22 and I'm 53, and I, what is Instagram? I, it's something there, so she's, she's handling that. Um, uh, again, the podcast is going to is still available on um, uh, SoundCloud and iTunes, and that's going to be the audio of this particular show. So if you want to listen to it, you can listen to it there. Uh, and that's still uh, available on Facebook at Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket, and the website is YourProgramIsYourTicket.com. And we're just, we're just kind of all over the place. It's awesome. social media. It's, it's great. Folks, take a little time to, enjoy, to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. Not that their show is small, but give their show some love. Go see the Baby Monitor. There's a lot of great theater gems out there. Until our next show, thank you for watching. Good night, theater people, and her. Your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.